Merry Christmas to everyone. Thank you for being here this morning. It's awesome to see so many people celebrating Christmas, and I absolutely love uh, the idea that Christmas is meant to be celebrated as a church family. It's not just something that, you know, we do in individual nuclear families, but it's something that we do together. I think uh, that is amazing because we are meant to, as, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, really come together and remember all that Christ has done for us. So in celebrating Christmas, I just wanted to read out some. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5, which is going to come up on the screen. And <laughs> Trevor's trying to multitask back there. Um, Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5, really famous. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, which is what we were doing. We were singing praises to God a moment ago. And the psalmist continues and says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I absolutely, who loves this psalm? When you read this, doesn't it make you feel like, oh my gosh, we actually do have a good God. You know, sometimes in the midst of all that's going on, if you are an avid news reader or news listener to, it, it, there's not a lot of good news going around. There's a lot of stuff that, 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 that Bombard says every single day about all the things, all the struggles that we have to go through, the, the cost of living crisis, the new COVID strand, and we're like, man, what's going on? But the Bible tells us and reminds us that when we think about Jesus, when we think about God, we are to remember His benefits. Remember what Christ has done. Remember what God does for us. And you know what? I find this interesting. Psalm 103 was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, but yet the psalmist already understood that one of the things that God does is that He forgives us of all of our iniquity. He heals all of our diseases. This is something that is part of God's character. This is the God that we serve. He desires good for you. And so this morning on Christmas Eve 2023, I thought that we could speak on three things that we can be sure that God gives to us. You ready for this? Three things that we can be sure that we have because of Jesus. And the first is this, that we have forgiveness. We have forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 8 says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. I want you to just take a moment and look at these words that Paul wrote. This was part of his introduction to the letter, and he wanted to summarize the gospel in a way for the Ephesian church to catch. And what does he say? He said, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to how well we do life, according to how well we keep the law, according to how amazing we as you No, no, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Jesus gives us forgiveness because of his rich grace. And then Paul goes on to say, which he lavishes upon us. 
Let that sink in as we consider all the benefits that we have from God. That God is not one who is withholding forgiveness, rather He is one that is pouring it out because it's, the picture that I get from this is that the forgiveness of God is something that overflows. It's part of something that He has inside of Him and He simply wants it to flow over to every single one of us. It is kind of crazy that God accepts us because of who he is rather than who I am. And in a time and a day and an age where each one of us seems to be measured by how much I accomplish or how much I do, the Bible has it completely flipped around, whereas how rich God is and how generous he is towards us. As we consider this at the end of 2023, are you in a place where you struggle with understanding how much God loves you, or how much God forgives you, how much God brings you in into His presence, how much He has already forgiven you? If there's any part of you that enters into the new year wondering, God, are you, uh, am I okay with you? Do you still love me? Do you still want to bring me in? We have this uh, promise in the Bible that we have forgiveness, not according to what I have done, not according to what I've accomplished, but according to God's riches, of, the richness of His grace, which He lavished upon us. 1 John 1.9 also tells us, if we forgive, uh, if we confess our sins, sorry, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I want you to note something about this. It says, if we confess our sins, God is, it describes it in a very interesting way. John says that God is faithful and just to forgive. Faithful and just. Earlier we read about the riches of His grace which He lavishes upon us, but right now we're seeing that God forgives us not, so, not just because of His grace, which we know, but because of His faithfulness and His just, justness, His just, justice, I guess. Would you say justice because of His justice? Let's go with that. God forgives us because of His faithfulness and His justice. Have you ever thought about that? God forgives you because of His faithfulness and His justice. Now, if He is just, then why is He forgiving me of my sin? Well, the answer is because of Jesus. The punishment has already been paid by Jesus. And so when we say, we want in, I want to be covered by Jesus' blood, God is not just being nice to us, He's actually dealt with the issue. He is actually being just because the penalty has been paid and so forgiveness is available. And it says that He is faithful because He's made the promise that He is going to make a way for us to have that forgiveness. And so when we ask God for forgiveness, what we are saying is, God, I want, to, um, I want you to remember that you have already paid the price and I want in. And God says, done. Think about it this way. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the condemnation has been paid in full. We can know that we have forgiveness and we can have right relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. We remember the benefits of being in Christ and one of those things is that we have the fullness of forgiveness. And one of the things that I was thinking about in 
in, in considering God's forgiveness is that God's forgiveness is amazing towards us. But the Bible doesn't just talk about us having forgiveness, but also giving forgiveness. And a part of Christmas I want to put forward to you is that as we consider that we have been forgiven, the Bible tells us time and time again that because we have been forgiven, we too are to forgive. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It kind of seems a little bit uh, against what we have already read, but I want to put forward to you, church, that the whole point of what God has done is to bring us into His community, into His family. And what He has done for us is supposed to partly be an example for how we live with one another. See, Christmas isn't just for me alone. Christmas brings me into God's family. Jesus coming on earth teaches me how to live life in a way that is full. You can enter 2024 having asked for forgiveness from God, but you can still be weighed down with hurt, with disappointment, with the fact that other people have done things that are hurtful, with circumstances and situations that you feel are unfair. But I want to challenge us, encourage us to enter the new year, not just being clean of our sins, but also to be clean of any bitterness and resentment that we might hold towards other people. So in fact, today is going to be a bit more interactive than usual. Normally, I love being, uh, having the mic for 45 minutes or whatever it is and just having a good old yarn. But today, I want us to actually be active. As we are hearing these words, these are probably not new for many of you, but I want us to put it into practice. And so what I've done is that I've prepared a sample prayer that's going to come up on the screens. And I want us to just take a couple of minutes. It's just going to be quiet just for a moment. And I want you to consider... Is there someone that you are really struggling to forgive? Or is there someone that you have just even not even thought about, but there is actually something that is gripping you? Is it a co-worker? Is it a boss? Is it a family member? Is it someone, a close friend? Is, has there been betrayal? Has there been some kind of hurt? Has there been, uh, um, you know, something that has gripped you over this year? I want you to look at that prayer. And in a moment, I want you to think about that person, and I want you to just pray this prayer. Now, I don't say that forgiveness is easy, and I've learned over the years that one of the ways the Bible talks about forgiveness is that there is a debt that has been made against you. Someone has accrued a debt against you. And so when we forgive the person, we are actually saying, I want that debt removed. And when we are saying, I want that debt removed, we actually face loss. That thing that I was hoping to get back, I am actually letting it go. And that's not easy. It isn't. And that's why in this prayer that, that I actually found uh, and, and edited a little bit, it says, please forgive me for struggling to let go. <laughs> we, we, we don't need to 
have any pretense here. Sometimes hurtful things that have happened is not easy to let go. I think the worst thing we can do as Christians is to pretend like nothing ever phases us or affects us. Jesus was angry at times. Jesus was sad at times. Jesus himself went through all the emotions of humanity, and we heard about that in the last series. And so we acknowledge that sometimes letting go of that debt is painful, is difficult, but we understand that it's necessary and it's good for our souls. So I'm just going to give you a moment. And for those who maybe find this a little bit hard to read, I do apologize that the wording's a bit small. But why don't you close your eyes or if you want to read off the screen, you can. I'm going to read this out and I want you to repeat this after me. Consider this person that you are wanting to let go. Let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today for help. I know I really need to forgive someone in my life as is your desire for all your children. Lord, please forgive me for struggling to let go. No matter how hard I've tried by my own flesh, I can't seem to let go of the pain and resentment. Please give me the strength to fully forgive. Help me to do this from the bottom of my heart without any reservation or condition. Amen. Amen. Now, if that prayer was difficult for you, if you want someone to talk to, please talk to one of the team here. We understand that sometimes there are these things that, that we carry. And, you know, honestly, sometimes it feels like we've got this grudge and hurt against God himself. And I hope that we will, over time, be able to work through this with you and the journey with you. But my prayer is that as we enter 2024, that we can enter with a clear soul, that there isn't this weight that is attached, that is holding us back, you know, forgiveness, there's a lot of studies on it. Forgive, not forgiving someone can lead to actual physical ailments in our lives. That is something that happens. What happens in our heart and in our brain actually affects our bodies and how we are living life. And so my prayer is that you continue this journey. If there are things that you're needing to journey through, we would love to be able to care with you as a family. But moving on to the second thing that we can have because of Jesus is that we have love. I want to jump ahead to Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 5, which says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. I love this passage partly because I'm an adoptive father. And Beck and I, when we journeyed through um, this journey of, of bringing Sam into our lives, it, 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 it actually was quite mind-blowing. You see, the thing about kids and every single one of us is that we, our early experiences affect us so much. It, it rewires us. It, it stays in our hearts and our minds and there are things that happen and there's a lot of research that goes into showing that the early uh, um, experiences that we have as even infants impacts us well into our adulthood. 
But one of the things that I love about um, uh, how God has wired us is that when we come into contact with a person who is strong and secure and is able to give you uh, the love of a family, we are able to rewire the trauma and the pain that we have experienced. That is part of what can happen. And so when the Bible tells us that God has chosen to adopt us, one of the things that, has, that I've learned is that this is not just saying that God loves you so you'll, you, you won't struggle or God loves you so that you, you're not going to have any issues and your past is just going to be wiped out as though it's never happened. That's not what it's saying, but I believe that what it's saying is that God is saying He's bringing you into His family. And as He brings you into the security of who He is and what He does, He can over time rewire us to understand and to receive love once again, to be able to understand that there is this overflowing abundance of love that we can have through Jesus. And so I want to put forward to us that one of the things that we can be sure about is that God loves us. And, and, and Paul uses this idea of adoption many times in his writing. He, and he always talks about how God loves us and therefore wants to bring us into his family. One of the things that we get through adoption in, in Australia as an adoptive father is that my Sam, he was in a different lineage and he was in a different inheritance line. He was going to receive the inheritance from whatever he was born into. But the moment that we sign off on those papers and legally adopted Sam, he comes into my inheritance line. He comes into my family inheritance. Whatever I leave for him, that is now legally his. No one can remove him from what I am leaving to him. Can you see that parallel in Scripture with what God wants to do for us? He has this riches in glory that he has said it is your inheritance when you come into his family. God is saying, all that I have, I'm wanting it to be for you. Jesus Jesus tells us, and this is our favorite verse in our church, this is the cornerstone verse that Jesus said that I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. And Jesus is saying, because of me, the gateway, the doorway, the legal route towards the inheritance that we have in God is available for each and every single one of us. If you're considering, what's my future like? Where am I going? Does anyone even see me or consider me? We just have to look in the scripture to know that God left the comfort of heaven to be here with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us, in order that we can receive the fullness of life with him. If that's not an expression of love, I don't know what is. And so we can have love from God. But much like um, forgiveness... Jesus also tells us in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. I think that there's a lot in Scripture that shows us that we don't actually understand the fullness of what we have until we practice it. 
We don't understand forgiveness until we practice forgiveness. We don't understand how much it costs God to bring forgiveness into our lives until we have to practice forgiveness for someone else. And I think in the same way, we don't really know what is the fullness of love that God has given to us until we learn to love someone else. And there is, uh, there's, there's not much greater love than the love of a parent. When, when, when Sam came into my life and I had to learn how to be a dad, and, and love doesn't always look like, oh, cuddles and snuggles and, and, and fun stuff. It also meant love meant being there when he's unreasonable, being there when, when he's having a meltdown. It means the highs and the lows, but it means doing life together. It means everything in between. Me giving love to my son helped me to understand God does that for me and with me. That's pretty amazing. But one of the things that I want to action out for us today is that in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says this, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus, you know, I could make a fourth thing uh, that God does for us, is that He brings us into community. We're not meant to live isolated lives. We're not meant to go it alone. The lone wolf has no place in the Christian community. The lone wolf, you know, <coughs> excuse me, you know, I get really frustrated when I see people that say, God's called me to be the lone watchman on the wall. It's like, what wall are you looking at? I don't think God's there. Because God's looking at his family. He's causing his face to shine upon his community. And you're off by yourself. It reminds me of the story of the older brother and the younger brother, the prodigal son. What was the older brother doing when the younger brother was brought into the feast? Because God loves, uh, sorry, the father wanted to lavish his love on the younger son. The older son was out in the field saying, I'm still at work. No, God brings us into his family. But as part of that, we need to learn how to encourage one another to, to love and to good works. And the author of Hebrews says that we need to encourage one another daily. This is something that we are meant to be doing all the time. And so I thought, what better thing to practice on Christmas Eve than to encourage one another? And I was thinking, how do we do this? And I thought, let's do it in the 2023 version, which is a text message. So you are able to take your phones out right now. You're allowed to, I've allowed you to. If you're on Facebook, that's still not allowed, but you can get your phone out. And I, I've got a sample encouragement text. And in fact, I'm expecting to get at least 10 messages in the next few. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I want you to think of someone that you can encourage. You know, I'm not a naturally encouraging person. I don't think like that. In fact, I often go home after church on a Sunday morning and I'll say, and Beck and I will evaluate things because we want to keep improving as a church and what we're doing and stuff. And I'll be like, oh man, you know, this person did this and it was so awesome. And Beck was like, did you tell them? It's like, uh, no. Like, well, you need to tell them. It's like, okay, let's do that. Let's, I can do that. And so you know what? I know there's some of you that are amazing encouragers. I'm so encouraged by you. Literally, I get these text messages or you make sure that you come and talk to me about stuff and I'm so encouraged by it. But for those that are not used to encouraging, this is your moment. 
Look at this text, a uh, sample text. You can just write, hey, or if you're, you're a bit more, um, I don't know, old school, you can say, dear, so-and-so. All right, put their name, not so-and-so. Do not say, dear so-and-so. That's not very encouraging. You can say, hey, I just wanted to let you know that when you did, and be specific about this. Encouragement is not that, hey, you're doing good, bro. It's like, what does that even mean? What am I doing good in? So let the person know, when you did, Whatever their behavior was recently, it was really helpful or inspiring or uplifting or whatever it is to me. And maybe even try to say something like, you've really got the gift of whatever it is. Let the person know. This is one of the things I found in the community of God. So many people don't know how they contribute, what their presence does to other people. How sad is it when you go through life and you're in community and you're like, what do I bring? What do I have? There are people that left the church because they literally thought that they contribute nothing to this family. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? That is this. And you know, what is wrong is that maybe no one told them. Maybe no one took the opportunity to say, hey, you've got a gift of hospitality. You've got, yeah, my wife is a great encourager. And she sometimes thinks that that is not a gift. It is a gift. When she cares for a person, it comes from a place that actually works in amazing ways. Maybe we can take this opportunity. Maybe right now, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. Scribe out that text. Think about someone that in the last few weeks, or maybe this year, something significant that someone did. Or maybe it wasn't even that significant, but it's something that it just occurs to you. Wow, that person, when they did this, it really did something for me. Let's encourage a person right now in this moment, Christmas Eve 2023. We have received the love of God. We get to give the love of the family to someone. And if you get a text message from someone right now, great. You know, what does it feel like when someone has encouraged you? I, I, I ran this activity by Beck and I was like, you know, what if someone receives a text and they go all cynical, like, oh, Pastor Nate made that person. I was like, and Beck was like, what's wrong with you? Someone says something nice to you. There's no strings attached. Just receive the encouragement. And I was like, okay, let's do that. Let's not be cynical. Let's actually encourage someone. I just feel to say this. Some of you need to actually go home and encourage your spouse. I think sometimes the more familiar we get with one another, the less encouraging we actually are. We forget to tell the person that we do most of our lives with how amazing they are, what are the things that they actually bring. Don't just say, oh, you're so amazing, love you, honey. Like, what is it? Do they, are they a good chef, cook? Do they... Are they faithful in their service? Are they, are they encouraging with their words? Are they a good dancer? Whatever, all right? Whatever you encourage, you're probably going to see more of because that's what human behavior is like. So if you want your husband to dance more, say, husband, you are an amazing dancer. All right, that probably went off the wrong topic. I haven't got any text messages, by the way. I'll just give you one more moment. I'm just killing time. One final thing that I know that we have because of Jesus is that we have hope. We have hope. In Hebrews 6, 19 to 20, it says this, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, 
a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. I think that one of the things that I've studied and and realized is that we actually need, as human beings, to have certainty. There is something about certainty that helps us. When situations are uncertain, it leaves us with so much doubt. It leaves us uh, with, with this sense that I don't, I don't know where I'm meant to be going. I don't know what I'm meant to be doing. Uncertainty really robs us of our peace. It robs us of our joy. It robs us of being present in the moment. And one of the things that the Bible tells us that we can have because of Jesus is that we can have a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. And it doesn't mean that Jesus automatically gives you a certainty around the outcomes of your life, but what it does is that we are certain that we have a God who is sovereign, who has already achieved victory over sin and death. We know that our future is secure. We know that our eternity has been purchased. Uh, We know that we have been redeemed. There is a certainty that we can have. There are times... Oh, thank you, Anthony. That was a pity encouragement. (laughs) We can have this surety, we can have this certainty about where we are going in life ultimately. I'm not talking about your jobs because your jobs is not who you are. I'm not talking about the relationships, even though relationships are so important, but where certain relationships are going and all of that, it sometimes doesn't really matter that much when we know that we can have this surety about our future, our eternity with God. As we turn into the new year, as we look into next year, how are you expecting life to be next year? Are you looking forward with joy? Are you looking forward with expectation? Are you looking forward with faith? Or is there something in you that's gone, oh no, the worst things that are going to happen. I'm going to have to face all these things. And I, in, in my other job, I sometimes get to speak to high school students about, about different things. And at, at this particular uh, a workshop that I was running, this young person actually said, I only want to live till I'm 40. Because by then I would experience everything good in life and all that's left is bad. And I want to check out by the time I'm 40. I'm 37. I was standing there. I was like, I've only, I, no. No, there's plenty more, plenty more good years to go. The harvest is still before me. There's more in front of me than there's behind me. But this young person did not have hope for the future. He's considering, I don't know what it is. Maybe he's a medium. Maybe he's all these different things about how the world's going to fall apart. This person did not have hope for the future. It was a stress for his soul. It was a burden in his heart, and, 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 and he did not see that tomorrow could be even better. If there is something in you that considers that when I look into next year, I don't know what good awaits me, I wonder whether it's because you don't have an anchor for your soul, or maybe you've let go of the anchor for your soul. Jesus has gone before us. It says that he is a forerunner. He has gone ahead of us and purchased what we need in order that we can have hope for tomorrow. Now, I'm not just talking about hope for things, but a hope that anchors our soul. I know that no matter what faces, no matter what I have to face, I'm good. 
I know that I'm graced. I know that I've got what it takes to face tomorrow. I can be sure. I can have joy in the midst of trials. I can have peace in the midst of turmoil because of what Jesus has done for me. If I can invite the band up this morning, the final activity we're going to do this morning before we close is that we're going to have communion together as a church. I love communion I love this time because it, 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 I want to use the word forces, but that's probably not quite right, but it forces me to consider, am I doing life by myself? Am I trying to make things happen by myself? Or do I remember what Christ has already done for me? Do I understand that there is an anchor that is available for my soul? That my, sh- my soul can be sure and steadfast because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I've achieved. I read this article recently. It was a poll that was done in the U.S., and different people were asked about when will they feel financially secure. And those that were, I don't know why it starts so low, but maybe in America it's different, but people that were earning 25000 a year, they said a little more. At thirty to 35000 I'll be good. And then they asked the person who had 35,000, how much more do you think, or or at what stage do you think you'll feel financially secure? Oh, 45,000, just a little more. Same thing went on for every pay bracket. Even to 130,000, they were asked the person with 130,000, oh, if I get to 150,000 a year, that's when I'm going to feel secure. We, we can't find security in things that are changeable. We can't find security in things that move. We can't find security in things that aren't anchor into something that is immovable. And the Bible tells us that our one surety, our one hope comes from a God who is unchanging, who loves you yesterday, today, and forever, who lavishes His grace upon you. Every single day, your mercies, you can receive mercies that are new. You can have this relationship with one who is unchanging, who is faithful, who is there for you. And so host team, if I can invite you to give out the emblems. Because of what Christ has done, I can have peace. Because of what Christ has done, I can have hope. Because of what Christ has done, when I see the next year, it is not a time where I am anxious over all sorts of different things, but I can be sure that in Christ, I have hope for tomorrow. Why don't we all just close our eyes for a moment? Maybe some of you here in this moment, you're still not sure about this whole Jesus thing. And as we take communion, like I said, we are just remembering that Jesus died on a cross and rose on the third day. And what we have in our hands is a symbol of his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. In other words, it was the penalty that he paid on our behalf. 
and He calls us into His family. He calls us into the life that He wants for us. And so as you take the bread and as you take the cup, maybe just say this prayer as well. Jesus, I want you in my life. I want more of you in my life. Take me on this journey to understanding, to experiencing more of you. So why don't we take that the bread? Why don't we take that cup? And let me pray over you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your goodness and your grace that is in abundance and is available for each and every single one of us. I pray, God, whatever anxiety that I have, I can lay it with you. I know that you are a good God and you do good things. I can trust in you. I can hope. I can face tomorrow. I can know that tomorrow you are still at work. You are always at work. For the, the Word tells us that for those who are called by you, which is every single one of us, that you are making all things good. And so God, I pray for that hope to erupt in our souls. Even over the next few days, I pray that there would be an ignition in our hope, in our expectation that you are at work. I pray that we will be ready to partner with you in all that you are doing. So I thank you, Jesus, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here this morning at Lift Church. Hope you enjoyed the carols. Hope you enjoyed the reflection on what Jesus gives to us and what we can expect. Uh, from him each and every single day and our part to play in it as well and we're going to have an amazing morning tea so stick around and and have a chat with someone the band's gonna have one last song for us before we head off thanks everyone we hope you've enjoyed this week's message follow us on instagram at the lift church or on facebook at lift church perth that will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church thanks again for listening god bless